Well, friends, we, uh, we, we really love the spot that we're in right now. We're in Montana at an undisclosed location. Um, you know, maybe private message us if you want to figure out where we are. It's a really nice place to be because it's free camping right along a river. And I got a few good bites there with the trout. Uh, but there's also a little bit of road noise, which has been, uh, you know, a little bit annoying to us. So hopefully you can uh, deal with it as we have uh, learned to tune it out as we are sitting by the campfire and so forth. Uh, but you can't uh, you can't really complain about free camping. Or yeah, and the view has just been incredible. So. We're here with our youngest in our truck camper, St. George, as we are wont to do, and we did that pretty much last minute, mm-hmm. right? As we just said, at some point we're done moving. Yes. Tell, tell the good <laughs> listener what we've been up to. We've been uh, yeah. <laughs> a little bit waylaid. Yeah. So definitely, we um, you know it was it's funny we've moved I would say like twenty two times easily in our. 25 years of marriage. We're talking real moves. <laughs> real moves. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Mostly by ourselves because we didn't have the money to get people to do it. Yes, exactly. Maybe some students on occasion. Every once in a while, but not not usually. And so, you know, moving has always been, um, you know, a point of, uh, I don't know, it's a hardship in our relationship. It's always a big deal. It, like you We know, get into the biggest fights around times <laughs> we when have, we're moving. We have different, you know, sort of philosophies of, of how to move, and <laughs> um, or at least timing. How about that? Um, timing, you know, when we move things anyway. And so... Um, I just want to throw everything into contractor's bags and throw it in the truck, and you take a little bit more time. <laughs> right. But one of the things, you know, we were kind of going at this move knowing that you know, this move is sort of represents a different time in our lives where, you know, we're close to being empty nesters as soon as our youngest is able to go off to college. Um, our youngest will. And so, you know, we will be empty nesters. And so when we moved this time, it was with this idea that, you know, we've moved some of these boxes that I know it's my fault <laughs> that I have all these papers that I've collected and haven't gone through in years. And, you know, and again, we break down, we get tired, we throw it in a box and then we move it. And, and we I, say, we're going to... We'll, we'll, I'll, I'll go through it. Yeah, we'll go through that when we get home <laughs> and, or to the new and place. And then again, to be fair, it's not you'll go through it because you would have gone through it, through it a long time Sometimes ago. Sometimes I do go through it and get in trouble <laughs> for throwing things out that I'm not supposed to. It's so. true. It's true. But so we keep moving these boxes. And anyway, this time when we were moving, um, there was a little added pressure that I put on myself, and rightfully so, that I wanted to you know, sort of oh, like just really purge. You know, purge things that we don't need that I found I found some of my tax stuff back from 1990 gosh 19 the 1990s I mean unnecessary if I may say so (laughs) absolutely absolutely and I you know I don't know how it just kind of escaped me and kept moving along but we've been watching the show and I don't know if any of you have followed it uh it's basically Marie Kondo's uh tidying up right yeah I don't know the exact name of it but we'll put it in the it's show notes. Netflix and, and yes. <laughs> Most and of you so, know it. Yeah, she's Marie pretty, Kondo. It's pretty popular. So How to tidy. Yeah. And she has this whole philosophy of, you know, if, if you look at something and does it bring you joy? That's the question you ask. And, and, and again, you got to separate it out from, it's not happiness. You know, we're not talking about happiness, but a joy. Or like, or like that kind of giddiness. It's not like, is it entertaining to right. you? Right. It's like, but like when you look at this, like how do you feel? you know, when you're looking at this item and, and, but does it bring pain? Does it bring, you know, um, just uh, like 
a massive to-do list, you know, yeah. or, or a past time that, you know, wasn't so happy, you know, are you carrying on this, like, you know, this, these memories of, of bad times and things, you know, that you just keep chugging along with you. Or are you just carrying something, you like you have a book because you feel guilty, you haven't read it, so you're going to carry that with you, but you don't want to read the book. Right, and so it just always makes you feel guilty whenever you, you look at it. You spent too much money on that sweater, so you keep that because as you a can't, big bulky thing. Because you but, can't get yeah. rid of it, because you know as soon as I get rid of it, then you're going to say, I told you so, or something mm-hmm. like that, right? Anyway, but does it bring you joy? And if it brings you joy, then keep it. If it doesn't, and it's not like you're just throwing it away as if it doesn't matter, it's you think it. And you, you know, you give it gratitude for the service that it has done for you, for the part that it had in your life and perhaps the lessons you've learned from it. You honor the memories. Sometimes we keep sweaters because of the associations, you know, this was a trip I took. And if it is a sweater you want to keep and it still brings you joy, even though it's raggedy, then keep it, you know, (laughs) You, you don't have to get rid of, you know, what you're not ready to part with, what doesn't, you know, what still does bring you joy. You should definitely hold dear to those things. And... So as I was going through the move, I was going through with that, you know, with that in mind as well, so that um, I'm not hauling around all this extra stuff that I have been for years. And we didn't have the space for it either. We're downsizing. And so there's that piece as well. Um, and well, ultimately, you know, when we retire, we want to live in our truck camper. Right. Oh, here comes the train. <laughs> we want to live in the truck camper, so we don't really have use for a lot of this bulky stuff. And yet it's so hard. I, I found it interesting that we were content to think about living in a, a truck camper, mm-hmm. but then when, that which is just a few hundred square feet at best. I, I don't know how you would calculate that, but it's very small. Very and then when we go into even, a uh, you know a, 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 a relatively hundred. small condo that we're moving into, we still somehow think we need a bunch of stuff, right? <laughs> it's 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 hard to say. Well, and and yeah, and sometimes you do because you got to fill it up. You know, you don't want the empty space. And but. I was keeping things knowing that obviously where we're going, we're going to still be um, you know putting on a lot of events and things, and so there will be you know stuff that yeah, I'll students. need, you know, that I I wouldn't have planned for in the the truck the same way. Now, what you you tuned in? You want to hear about our move? I know, but what I want to do mention though is that when I went through that process as we were moving. It felt good with each box that I was able to downsize, which each thing. And the other, the other piece, too, is, again, you don't just discard those items. Like, you can give them away to somebody then that can use them and bring the life, maybe. Like, if, if you're no longer using it, why hoard it in your closet? Just give it to somebody, perhaps, that will love it, and it will serve its purpose for why it's here. Right? Yeah, the, the title of our show should not be meant to say that you should discard things willy-nilly. Recycling in a literal sense, is very good. Do your recycling. Recycling clothes, buying things at a secondhand store, consignment store, thrift store. This is ethical, wonderful. You can find some high-quality things. So we're not saying that. So we're not against actual recycling. We're really against repristination, which is to just try to go back and constantly refurbish something that's no longer working for us. Now, it's uh, it's a re- like again. It's a great idea to try to find a way to keep something going as long as you can, to maintain your good things, to find quality things and keep them going. Um, and this just goes with all all of our chapters where we're really just trying to be playful with the titles, yeah. to give you something counterintuitive and see where we can go from there. And I'll add one more thing, you know, with our with our move. One thing that we did give ourselves permission, which we don't often, is. To go ahead and get rid of the furniture that isn't going to work in our new space mm-hmm. and that it might, you know, crowd up the room or that kind of thing because 
This is a good example. The the joy that we found with finding the right furniture in those spaces and just sitting, you know, there with, you know, when the, when the furniture fit the room, it just, that was, that was, that was a joy that brought us even happiness. Yeah. You're spending all that time in your living room. Might as well. Yeah. And we could have otherwise stuffed over large furniture into rooms that would have just made them crowded, you know, feel crowded and cramped in. And instead, you know, what we came up with makes us feel happy about the space that we're in. And I, and so I think in that sense, when we say don't recycle, you're kind of saying like, look, why are you holding on to this thing that no longer really is serving you? And it's more about hoarding those things in your garage that you know you're never going to use. You just yeah. think on the off chance you might use it. You don't oh, and then get you can't it. find it when you finally do That's need the, it. Well, which... this, is, this is the key. This actually, this is where this Marie Kondo thing, I think, fits very nicely with religion. The, the point we think of this chapter that we're going to look at here um, from the Gospel of Mark what we're looking at here is Mark chapter 2, verses 18 to 22. And in this, I think it really fits well with this uh, Marie Kondo idea of getting rid of the things that no longer give you joy, but honoring them. Yes. And uh, that's very important, as we'll get to, because this is not Jesus rejecting uh, Judaism as such, or uh, even religion as such, or even dishonoring the old idioms and ways of being. This is about saying that there was a time for the old thing, and now there's a time for the new thing, and just get on board with this. We are not very good at at many things in terms of buying and selling, Mm -hmm. um, whether it's stocks or properties or whatever. We always kind of uh, have difficulty sometimes getting that timed right. One thing I think we do pretty well with is buying rich people couches at a (laughs) discount rate. Uh, You know, you go online, you go on a Craigslist, if you find you know, some couches. You might find a bunch of couches for 100 bucks that have tears that are kind of embarrassing to have. You don't really want them. The old couch that we had, uh, the one that really served us through most of uh, the Virtue in the Wasteland podcast, and like that, that was kind of like the legendary couch for, yeah. for a lot of us. It was Aiden's bed. Had a lot it was of, Augie's bed for a while. Had a lot of <laughs> memories, yeah. Uh, but that, that couch, we it loved like it. felt like it was kind of part of the family at a certain point. <laughs> it, was a thou- it was worth thousands of dollars. We got it from some rich guy in Laguna Beach. He didn't need it anymore, and we got it for cheap. And then we eventually, eventually sold it. If you calculate it out, it was like five bucks a month at max that we might have <laughs> yeah, lost got, over time. Uh, if that, right? And uh, instead of trying to cram that back into a space that it didn't really fit in, we found one that did fit. And, uh, and, and that was really helpful. And we, we had one night before we went on vacation. <laughs> uh, but it, it was a really nice night. And I think this is how we want to think about religion. It's like um, there are some people that want to do everything to just preserve religion. And I'm not sure what they're after, mm. right? Like all religions, right? Or, um, you know, th- these are usually people, people that want to defend religion are, are pretty adamant about their religion being the best right, sometimes. Right. Um, I'm not that interested in defending religion. I think it's an important aspect of human culture. Sometimes it's a very toxic part of human culture. It it's, it's, it's like anything, right? Uh, you can use it. You can abuse it. Uh, but the idea that you just want to defend religion as such eh, um, seems odd to me. Unless you're really just after something that's going to keep people in line mm. or is going to be just a tool for reinforcing authority. And in that case, we could maybe leave it. And what, uh, on the other hand, Jesus is up to is going to be talking about the way in which we need to be flexible and adaptive for a new generation of disciples. So before we get any farther, why don't you read this? Don't sure. recycle from Mark, tw- uh, Mark 2. Verse 18. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. So they came and asked, Jesus, 
Why is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, yet your disciples don't? Jesus responded, How can the wedding guests fast when they're with the groom? As long as the groom is with them for the feast, they're unable to fast. There will be days ahead when the groom will be removed from their presence, and so they can fast in those days. Nobody uses unshrunk cloth to patch an old article of clothing, since that would lead to a worse tear, as the new clothes pull away from the old. Likewise, nobody pours new wine into old wineskins, since the wine would rupture the skins and ruin both the wine and the wineskins. Rather, one pours new wine into new wineskins. So this is our concluding chapter. This yeah. is the, the finale of season two, where we're looking at Protect Your Noggin with Jesus, ways in which Jesus can protect us from those religious wolves who come in the name of Jesus. And one of the ways I think religious wolves really want to beat a lot of people over the head uh, is they want to take the outer form of the spiritual expression of their tradition. So the wineskin. The wineskin, the external container, and make that the thing itself. Right. Uh, or as our youngest said with uh, respect to you know, hearing this, I think he was saying something like, religious people tend to make an idol out of the container so and forget the thing that is supposed to be contained. What is it carrying? What is it So the wineskin serves the wine. That's how he said it. It serves it's it. It's not the other way around. And that's a nice double entendre, right? right. It, it both uh, serves it. It is working, <laughs> well, it, it, is, it is working in, in defense of and in support of the mission of right. this thing, right? This, mm-hmm. this content. Uh, but it also is the delivery me- me- mechanism, mechanism for the content. And, and yet what matters is the content, not the casing that it's in, right? Yeah. I mean, as long as it's being properly, you know, as long as the wine, the wine skin or the, the container is properly able to hold what's inside, mm-hmm. you know, and, and help, I guess, add to the richness or whatever it needs to become, right? Yeah, if you've been thinking about a lot of uh, ways in which you might be second-guessing the tradition you came, uh, you know, came up with in life, um, you know, that's very likely good. You know, there's nothing wrong with, with questioning, questioning uh, your traditions. And in, in some cases, you're going to need to just run away from them. They could well, just be, they could be bad. And I think, and I think of, you know, one big, huge question that everyone should ask themselves when they are involved in any sort of, you know, religious group or community, and, you know, we'll, we're calling that, in this case, the wineskins, right? Mm-hmm. When you're involved in that community... What is the content in the middle that they are protecting and serving? So first make sure you agree with that content because that's first and foremost. If you don't get to the bottom of what they are actually serving or <laughs> protecting. Um, or, then, if you, or if you just disagree. If you, that's what I'm saying. If you don't yeah. get to the bottom of that, you might find yourself very disappointed later on when you discover that it just like... It, it wasn't what you were after at all. Like it, they, you know, they, they may be false. Uh, they, they served you bad wine or something, you know, but it is a poison or poison. So the first part is just to figure out, do I agree with the content and do I feel good? You know, is that, is that where I need to be? Is this, is this what I want to be a part of? Right? right. Is this where I feel that there is goodness, truth and beauty? You know? So if you, if you, if you first, if you don't agree content, with it, then just get find out something else. <laughs> if you love the wine, 
Yes. But you find that the containers are flawed somehow. Not because they've eternally been flawed, but because they're just not working. They're not delivering what they're supposed to deliver. If the external forms, for instance, once were healing and now they're causing harm, right. are you willing to, to dispatch with the old? Are you, are you willing to adapt and to change? Or maybe at one point it was the perfect container, but now it has cracks in it. And maybe, you know, or it's just weathered. Then in that case, you don't hate the weathered old no. trusty cup or your old favorite shirt. You, you honor it and you give you it gratitude it. for where it brought you um, to, to what it served up until the point of it did its service. I think a lot of the uh, upstart organizations, movements, fads... They tend to say, hey, you know, listen here, listen to us. We've got the new, the new way of doing things. The old way of doing things was stupid. We got the new way. That's not very helpful. At the same time, just worrying about keeping the seats the same and the stained glass the same, the building the same is also not helpful. I mean, Stacey and I are not the kind of folks who love it when people go for fads. And we were at some church in, at Oxford and we were just loving it in terms of just the experience, the aesthetic experience of sitting there. And all of a sudden they said, we're going to rip out all these pews. We're taking up a collection to rip out the pews and turn it into a space where you can rollerblade. Well, you can do that if you want, but it was kind of sad for these you know, Americans to come into this old church at Oxford and see that they were going to renovate it. Mm-hmm. And maybe that was our problem in a way. Yeah. Now, I, I'm not sure I'd go with the way they went <laughs> in terms of the aesthetic and the programming, but the idea that, that I need as an American, for them to just stay put, almost like England's supposed to be a religious artifact or right, something, or right, a museum right. They for can't us. change no. the rest of it. No, they're supposed yeah. to do their thing. I mean, if you're an actual human being that lives in Oxford and you want to have a religious community, you want to make it vibrant and relevant for your time, not just an- an- ancient or antique. Right. right. So we're not interested in fads. We're not interested in repristination. Um, there was a while back uh, when I was working in Everett, Washington. So uh, we, we had a relationship with the Muckleteo newspaper. I wrote a little article in the religion section in Muckleteo on uh, what I call the idiom gap. And I was kind of bemoaning the fact that there were generations who didn't like it that their kids watched too much television. And all I wanted to do mm-hmm. was get my kids to watch television yeah. with us, mm-hmm. you know. And they wouldn't watch television because they wanted to control their viewing experience. They wanted to be on YouTube. They wanted it to be interactive, you know. Right. And I realized that, that part, of the, uh, part of the problem religiously isn't fads or style or contemporary music or, or me, you know, even meeting their felt needs. Sometimes they don't feel the needs that they, they ought to feel. It's the idea that... Um, we need to speak a language that communicates what we're trying to communicate. Right. So, for instance, if you say to young people um, something about sin, very often what they think is there's a little white church down the road that is filled with old people that disapprove of my lifestyle. And sin means their false disapproval of my good actions. Mm -hmm. That's That's what they think. Again, it's not that the young people that are looking at church are saying, I don't want to go to church because I'm naughty and they won't accept me. They're saying, I don't want to go to church because I think church by and large is naughty. They're on the wrong side of history. They're on the wrong side of ethics. And I don't want to be a part of that. I don't think they're loving enough or something. They might be wrong, but again, I don't think most of the young people that I I know 
that don't go to church are avoiding church because of their sin. They're avoiding church because what they think sin means is the disapproval of people that don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> the unawakened. And that's a, you know, th- once you get to that sort of situation, no amount of good acoustic guitar, you know, uh, well, and techni- te- technical skill is going to get you over right. that hump. I guess, you know, part of it, I, when you were talking about the idiom gap, what came into my mind was sometimes when you have so badly wanted to connect with the boys in baseball. Right. You wanted the kids to love baseball and follow it. And so you're like, can you come to a game with me? Will you sit in front of the TV? I I mean, I'll put money on this thing for you. Like, what was it? What can I get you to do to watch this game for me? And clearly, they just really weren't interested. They humored you a little bit, right? Sometimes. But but they didn't get joy out of it, right? They did, and, was, and they kind of resented me right. trying to drag him into this. And thing. so I think what, I mean, you, you obviously wanted to share that pastime with them, but clearly that wasn't what they were interested in. But what I think you wanted more deep down inside was to share a pastime with them. Any pastime. So <laughs> Could have been motorcycles, could <laughs> right. be fishing. We're, we're, I'm finally getting with our youngest into fishing. We've caught some fish, but it's so been you, hard. He's... 18 now. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. So if you're, I mean, if, if you're caught up only in that it has to be done through baseball, I don't, you're never going to make that connection. Right. But you have to realize, what is my intention? What am I trying to achieve here? And if I'm trying to achieve the goal of hanging out with my children, then where is it that they will meet you at? What's like, the new wineskin? What's the new wineskin? If it's not baseball. For you, you had great memories, you know, hearing Vince Scully on the radio and, you know, and, and just going with your family to Dodgers games. And anyway, that was a huge thing in your life, right? That was a good memory. But that wasn't for our kids. They didn't enjoy that same experience that didn't have that same meaning to them, right? Yeah. Applied to religion, what this means is, you know, as we're looking at the core content of what we're about, what is the thing that we're really about? What's the mission? What's the intention when you bring, when the kids come to church? Yeah. What are you hoping that that, what's the intention with those children? Do you want them to just, I don't know, like, I guess, you know, stop dyeing their hair, <laughs> you know, or wear certain clothes. Or you just want them just to stay a part of the church or, you know. So, sometimes parents really just want them to go to summer camp because they had a, a meaningful experience in summer camp or they want them to go to confirmation or Sunday school or something. Well, and I think all of us, like at some point, I think that there's a meaningful moment that you've probably had in an interaction with, um, you know, with your spirituality in some way, shape, or form, and it probably was connected with a religious institution in some way, shape, or form. Right. And I think that we almost want to freeze that moment in time. Yeah, push and, pause. Or it, rewind or, and watch also, it again. We also might think that it's the formula to help others see what you see. And it's not all of those outer parts that was the actual formula. We've got to trust on, again, what's the content and let the content do its work yeah. when you're within the right, you know, the context for holding, you know, that inner wine, that inner yeah. eternal, beautiful wine. In other words, what, what Jesus is, is doing here is talking about the maturation of the new disciple. So if we want to get to it, I mean, in, in the original context here uh, of the text, most old Protestant scholars and Catholic scholars, really, um, have kind of pointed to the idea that this is about Jesus starting a new religion and saying that the old religion is dead. So the new religion, Christianity, is replacing the old religion. No. And it's not that. 
it's he said I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Right, it, meaning Torah. Right. So there's there's this core value or set of values that is the spiritual values of the people of God, people of Israel. And Jesus is saying, no, no, I don't I don't want to just um, you know stay in line with that. I want to take that to the next level. I want to embrace that. I want to fulfill that. What is it? What's the core spiritual and ethical teaching and 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 what's the truth behind Mm -hmm. the way of our ancestors as Jews, you know, Jesus Mm -hmm. would be saying. And, um, part of what he's saying is, is very well known to anybody who's a teacher. And that is that part of what he's saying is that it's easier to have new disciples that haven't Learned bad habits. Yeah, you mentioned this with martial arts, right? What, what is it? Yeah, I was actually, uh, I think it was Joe Rogan the other day was saying that if you're a, you know, something like a 35-year-old guy that wants to learn how to do a roundhouse kick, it's, it's, uh, it's actually relatively easy, even though you've got to get stretched out and you've got to you know, get get in shape enough and learn your technique, it's easier to kind of start later in some ways mm. than for somebody who had had learned how to do these kicks from a strip mall when they were five. Gotcha. And they learned all these bad habits. It's hard to unlearn what you've learned. This is like that Yoda line. You know, you must unlearn what you've learned if you want to follow the force. This gotcha. is the idea. And so um, what Jesus is saying is common to many, m- uh, many gurus and teachers and sages and professors o- over the years. It's that sometimes they want to just, you know... Start from scratch. Mm -hmm. And what was going on is a lot of the other religious people were saying, hey, these are the things that we do. We fast. You know, we've got these religious practices. Mm -hmm. Jesus isn't saying that those religious practices are no good. He's saying that... It wasn't the time for that. It's not the time for that. I mean, first of all, there's no reason to fast when the party's going on. Jesus is is there with them. So there may come a day when they're sad that Jesus is gone, that he's been crucified or whatever, and then you can have a different kind of... um, ceremony. So in Ecclesiastes, when it talks about that there's a time for everything, like yeah. everything under the sun, and there are moments, there are moments of fasting and there are moments of feasting. <laughs> and right. when the bridegroom is there and you're celebrating at the wedding, it is not the time to fast. In fact, it would be an insult. It would be quite rude <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to, to, oh, I'm fasting, you know? Like, yeah. And then also it's a, now it's public. Yeah, which you're kind of being annoying. It destroys know. the whole point of... Uh, <laughs> kind of. You're really being annoying, <laughs> right? Right. And, so. and I think, I mean, that's, that's one thing to take from this, that if you are part of a religious community that only is frowning, that's a bad sign. That's a red flag. Get out of there. I, I've once said, you know, to pastors' conferences, sometimes I'll speak to a group of pastors and I'll say, you know, my biggest frustration with a lot of pastors uh, is that... Uh, they won't wipe off the fake smile sometimes. There's like one kind of pastor mm-hmm. that never wipes off the fake smile. They're yeah. salesmen, like Carl, Carl yeah. car salesmen. Um, or they never stop frowning because they're angry about something. Angry about some social change, some social uh, drift, some Supreme Court decision, right? So they might well, be just angry. They or have- they might be angry, you know, just about... The conservatives, you know, it goes both ways. I was going to say, like, you know, if, if you walk around angry, um, you got a lot you're thinking about, you know? Yeah, <laughs> you know, and a lot of negative things you're thinking about. Of course. I guess what I'm trying to say is that, you know, you can also seem important <laughs> if you, um, you stay in that world to some people. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think to others, obviously, it could just be off-putting. People get a rush out of being critics. 
So they, they're always kind of dwelling on the negative, and they get a lot of praise for it, right, by calling things out. And sometimes, look, things need to be called out. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Um, but, the, but the idea here with Jesus is he's not even really criticizing the old ways. No. So again, he's, def- he's not saying that Judaism goes away. He's saying we're going to Or he didn't say that wineskin doesn't work. He just no, said, wineskin's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's look at the, that's good. Let's look at the illustration. The wineskin, you've, you've got this, this uh, membrane, you know, like a stomach of a, of a goat. And then you put your grape juice in there with your yeast and your sugars, and you, you let that ferment. And as it ferments, it expands. Right. And the nice thing about the wineskins is that they grow with the growth of the wine. So if you can think about the disciple, whether you're old or young, but let's think about young. You've got a young person who's being educated in a religious tradition. No matter what your religious tradition is, it does you no good to force them into the forms of the way you did it when you were that age, in the, in the precise way. And again, this doesn't mean you just, you just invent any old thing or you, you'd pick and choose from some other religion. It's just to say that you need to always, in every generation, be rethinking um, or reimagining how is it that you're going to present this in your particular time and place for everything there's a season. So right. what's the season now, right? What's, what's the way that we're going to deliver the message now? So you, you, you bring this message out and... And the wisdom of others is still very helpful. Very helpful. The idea that in my day, this is what I did and, and the reasons for it um, is very helpful. Sometimes what we do is we copy the actions and we don't understand the reasoning. That's so good, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then we commit this same thing over and over again. There was a story that I'd heard one time where, um, I don't know, there was like this... I think it was a ham and, and they, the family would always cut like one end off, you know, maybe, you know, the portion of it. And I guess they got rid of it. And, and so then they would put it and cook it or whatever. And then eventually, finally, you know, a couple of generations later, they asked, why are we cutting off the end of the ham? They're like, oh, well, that's just what grandma did. And then when, when they asked grandma, you know, why do you cut the end off? And well, my oven wasn't big enough right. to put the whole ham in and fit in the, the pan and then the oven. So here's something that they've done for generations, wasting a good portion of this ham for no reason other than just that that's how it was always done. Nobody thought to question why or understand the reasoning behind it. So in the context with Jesus, again, he's not saying that in, in grandma's day, he should <laughs> cut off the ham or whatever, whatever those little things are. And, and in fact, you know, in traditional Judaism, first century Judaism, there are all sorts of practices that had, you know, emerged out of necessity or, or very strong rationale, right? There's some really good reason for it. Um, but I think for me, what this really means is we need to be able to create containers, create the mechanisms for training and for presenting to people the, the good stuff, the content of spiritual healing yes. and, and medicine. And when we do this, we give it to each generation and we allow them to do their own growing. Right. And this is the hard part. This is something that's a thread that you can see throughout our chapters, hopefully. And that is that we're not necessarily saying that mom and dad are wrong or that your pastor is wrong or that your religious tradition is wrong. We are saying that it does us no good to just assume that they're right when we, when we work with young people, when we work with disciples of any age. Mm-hmm. We need to say that we need to, every generation, every individual, go through the the logic the rationale the the language the narrative of 
a tradition and its content so that people can embrace it authentically, genuinely from within their own heart and selves. Now, what Jesus is doing, again, this teaching has often been used for anti-Semitic theological positions that essentially, you know, the, the Jews need to just be just cast aside and their religious traditions are cast aside. Um, but many people even today in Christian circles are coming to discover some of the rich traditions like Passover, uh, the Seder feast, and so forth, uh, whether from, you know, Christians that are recreating it or their Jewish friends, and they're realizing these are wonderful and informative traditions. They, they educate, they inspire. But that doesn't mean that it's going to always be the best way to present things going forward. And this is, you know, for us really then, if you can set aside the way this has been used in terms of anti-Semitism, if we can just turn it to this question of, of what it means to be conservative and liberal, I think it's very helpful. Let's think of conservatism as this uh, a spirit or a, an attitude or a disposition. Conservatism is problematic theologically and biblically if we take it to mean always doing what we've done before. So we don't want to change anything we've done before. Right. But very often there are things that either no longer work or things that we were doing before that are actually things that turn out to be wrong. Okay? We didn't do it on purpose, but things do it to be wrong. There is no spiritual guarantee that something that's old is the right way to do it. That's true. But there's also this problem of liberalism, which is to say that there's an attitude of liberalism that says we should, all, you know, we should throw out the old things and we only want the new things because new is always better. That's not guaranteed either. Right. Sometimes the new stuff's garbage and the old <laughs> stuff's better. The question is, you got to marry, again, you got to marry Kondo this. You got to say, like, what are those things that you want to preserve? And, and by the way, if you go back to the, the thing we were talking about at the beginning, when we were moving, one of the things that's great about stripping down all the nonsense and throwing away your trash or the stuff or recycling it or, or giving it to goodwill is that you end up being able to see and rediscover those things that you had in your garage or your, or your drawer that you forgot you had that you really love. Mm -hmm. So you actually get those treasures when you strip away the things that are obstructions. And this is true for your kids. If you are a religious person and you want to bring your kids to your religious community and they don't like it, are you so tied to some of the outward forms that are putting them off that you refuse to get them to the main thing? And also, are you listening yeah. to them and question and asking them what parts, what things about this are you not appreciating or, you know, that, that you don't understand or you don't, you know, you don't like? Because we could make assumptions all the time and we might be missing the point entirely as to the real reason why they, they're not interested. Our kids, for instance, would see as one of the new wineskins um, a value in ancient contemplative traditions, uh, in my case, mystical traditions, in some people's case, liturgical traditions that are ancient, right? So in other words, it can, it can fluctuate. For us, we grew up in contemporary style evangelicalism and were attracted to ancient practices and liturgies because they were new to us right. and they spoke to us mm -hmm. from the past. So don't be so sure when we're saying, you know, you need new wineskins, that those new wineskins are what every, you know, religious church consultant says the new wineskins are. It may be counterintuitive. It may be that people are looking for something that is pre-modern to help them heal 
from the problems of our postmodern breakdown. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the main thing, though, is that when Jesus is telling this parable, we don't understand necessarily immediately. Uh, it's actually two parables. There's two images. There's the wineskins and there's also the cloth. Yes. The new and old cloth. In both cases, the, the audience that Jesus is speaking to is uh, an audience of people that are you know, like skilled laborers. These are people that all have crafts. So if Jesus is speaking to everybody, he's not speaking to professors of theology in the 21st century. He's speaking to people that understand very well how to do things. Mm -hmm. Just kind of like when I'm trying to put my truck in here and there's some old timer who knows how to, you know, (laughs) deal with this four wheel drive truck. Uh, He knows, you know, the, the, the things that I'm doing that are stupid. And, yeah. and when, no, 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 it, it's I true. When a young guy, when a young guy's like backing in wrong or, or, you know, just doing yeah. something wrong with it, with the RV. Things you have yet to learn. Things you have yet to learn. People are like, oh no, don't do that. That's terrifying. Maybe because they've had that before themselves. So what Jesus is doing is, is with this, with this image, he's trying to create something that a lot of people would be aware of. A lot of people are aware of the way that you make wine. So as they were making wine, he's saying, hey, you wouldn't take this unfermented wine and stick it into the brittle wineskins. That is, these skins that have already expanded and become dried out and thin, then once they're emptied of their contents, they're, they're going to be brittle. You, you, you wouldn't do this because you would lose a lot of money. You take all this good stuff and you destroy it. Interestingly, Jesus also says that the old wine tastes better because mm-hmm. it's mature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's fine. We're not saying that the kids are better. We're simply saying that the kids need to mature on their own. You can't just do that work for them. You can't do the homework for your kids. You can't do the spiritual, religious homework for your kids. You've got to get them in the right place. And I think you rob them of that experience when you do try to just place something in their lap and just say, oh, just trust me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here it is. Because they don't own that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some. There's something that sticks with you when you've worked through a process, when you've tried to solve a puzzle, and then you finally learn the answer, versus even just being told what the answer is and replicating an activity, because then all of a sudden, next year when you're doing it again, you're like, now how is it that I did it? But if you really struggled through with something, you're not mm-hmm. going to forget. Or how is it that grandpa did it? <laughs> yeah. So what Jesus is saying is, imagine that your grandson tried to make wine in one of your old wine skins thinking, well, if it's good enough for grandpa, it's good enough for me. Right, right. You want your grandson, in this case, to have wine. Now, you don't want your little baby grandson. But the point is, you want that that power. You want that joy. They want that beautiful content, that valuable content. You want to pass that on to them. And and it is all too easy for you to be so proud of the wine skin that you had that is associated with your ego and your legacy, that you keep trying to force them into that. And it's disastrous both for your wineskin and for their lives. And ultimately, they, in bursting the wineskin, are going to lose the wineskin. But the idea is, Jesus is trying to get like the, 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 in, the tavern owner, the, the pub owner, to say, oh, no, don't do that. That's terrible, Jesus. And Jesus is like, exactly. So don't do the same thing with religion. Right. right? right. Same thing with uh, the, the shirt. So he says, you know, if you've got a garment, that's made out of cloth, if it's shrunk because you've washed it mm-hmm. and you've got a tear and you put a patch on it, if you put a new cloth on that patch, when you wash the garment again, the new patch will shrink up. If it hasn't already been pre-shrunk. Yeah, so it'll pre-shrink and then it'll tear it worse. It, just, it, it becomes makes, yeah. damaging. So again, the same thing is true. And the funny thing is here, almost no religious people when I was growing up 
really told me this. They did tell me that the old way was, I mean, there were certain people that would say, hey, like the old way is outmoded and stupid. We got the new hip way. And it just felt like there was this like cycle of the new hip way of doing Christianity, the new up and coming thing, the new book on church growth, the new book, you know, like it's a hustle. There's so many books, just like all these self-help books on Dr. Oz. There's a whole bunch of self-help books in religious media in the 80s and 90s. And it was gross. Yeah, it yeah. didn't feel it didn't feel like deep wisdom. It just felt like one hustle after another. That's not what we're talking about. Well, you know, this, I and I this may be a little bit of a reach, but I definitely it came to mind as something I think helpful in in sort of understanding some of this. And I we might have mentioned this story before, but I'll I'll say it quickly. A while back, a couple of years ago, we were camping right on the beach on the sand, and we ran into this young gentleman, Jameson, and his. The whole thing, his his love of being there on that sand was to f- wait and when people were stuck because all these people would be pulling these big rigs, these two-wheel drives and things onto this sand inevitably get stuck with all this weight and things that they were hauling. And when they would get stuck, he would wait and watch for them to get stuck. And then he would eventually, after they struggled for a little while and they kind of looked like they had, you know, felt a little desperate, he'd go over and, you know, and ask how he could help. And at first when he would come over, like he wouldn't come with all his great ideas. He would just come as a helper, you know, um, as they're working through all the different possibilities and, and just see what this person has, you know, and up maybe their belt. he learns from them. And sometimes he learns from them. And then sometimes when they've exhausted all the other possibilities, then Jameson will say, well, have you tried this? Or what about if we try this? And then they're usually at that point, they're like, okay, they recognize that none of this worked. And, and so, yeah, okay, fine. Let's try this way. Right. And I guess if we have the discernment to be real with ourselves when something isn't working and we keep, you know, rather than keep repeating what's not working over and over again, and we can try new things, but even be honest and be able to really, you know, admit when that's not working either. Right. Um, just be open to the ideas of others. Yeah. And if it actually helps you get unstuck out of the sand and move forward, be grateful for that, right? The learner should be open. The teacher should allow people to seek the teacher's advice when they're ready. Yeah. And not impose it. Yeah, I think it's a very good illustration. That was a good kid, that Jameson. Yeah, he was. He taught me some things. And he also, you know, like again, he, he learned from other people sometimes as yeah. he would watch how they might solve it. So and he would have new tools up his belt to sure. keep helping people because right. that's what he enjoyed doing. <laughs> right. Right. So, so, you know, I think one of the things that, or one of the reasons we wanted to end with this text is that I think there are these two two kind of parting messages that we want for people. One is, if you think that we've been too hard on your tradition, or you think that what we're saying is, is too dangerous for your religion, um, I'm sorry. It's a, certainly a scary feeling. We get that. But we're not really trying to get rid of your religion. We're trying to help you to, to uncover what was it about your religious experience that was powerful. What is it that you want to pass on? And keep that. You know? And make sure you're not passing on something that has nothing um, essentially to do with that joy that you've experienced in your life. So, and I think it's just it's important to remember that you can't you can't force people into a situation that just isn't like if it's not they're not connecting in that way because the point isn't that activity. The point is for them to find that that content inside, not 
not the trappings that are holding it, right? And, mm. and so if, if something is getting in the way of them getting at that beautiful way of Jesus, that beautiful view into eternity, that beautiful truth, like, then you don't... It, you don't want to hold that thing that's getting in the way. Right. Whatever that is, whatever yeah. that outside container is, it isn't worth it. It's not what it's all about. If your intention is the container, then it doesn't matter what's on the inside. It goes back to sell everything. Are you willing to sell your church building if it's not serving anybody, what is the intention? but it's just a what's monument to your grandpa's success. Yeah, what's the point yeah. that you're after? Yeah, and it's hard, believe me. It's, I mean, it's very hard to, to take something that's been good for folks, right? Sometimes, you know, I think right now there's a lot of churches that have declined in membership. Maybe there's demographic shifts where, you know, your Scandinavian Lutheran church or your Scottish Presbyterian church just isn't connecting with folks. doesn't mean it's the end of the world. And I think even, you know, even if you get tired of church or how it's done or what's going on like maybe then keep like don't just give up <laughs> you know don't how, give up on your how quest do you, yeah, yeah how do you get to that beauty <laughs> how mm. do you get how do you get to that that piece that you just don't want to let go of i mean don't let the other parts get in the way and 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 make and I'm not I I understand it. It can sometimes it can sometimes feel pretty hopeless. I mean, we've been to many many churches that I know we would never go back to, right? And then, yeah. <laughs> and so like you you know if we had never found ones that we did like, it would feel like at a certain point, okay, just don't go at all. Just forget it, you know, because yeah. out of the sample size that we've had, it just it's too hard to find something, and that that can be true too. But fortunately, now with the internet, we have so many different options available to us um, and ways of finding places that we weren't you you know weren't at our disposal before. That's right, because so so the first part is to say as we're as we're wrapping this up, there are things that have been harmful for you, dear listener, and harmful for us, and harmful for others that we know. We need to be able to let those go, even yes. if they used to be good or if they were neutral or bad but nostalgic. you got to be able to let them go if they're getting in the way of the core content. And the core con- content is represented in, in this passage primarily by, by wine. And what is it that you think is that wine? What is that that you want to pass on? And uh, how do we yeah, What are you coming focus to Jesus on that? for? Yeah. What are you coming to Jesus for, right? And sometimes, I mean, the, 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 fu- the really funny thing about the history of American religion is the less traditional the theology of a church is, typically the more it looks like church. So a lot of very conservative churches meet in middle school gyms or in strip malls mm-hmm. in America. They don't look a lot like church. There might be skate church. There might be church in a bar, that sort of thing. So there's a lot of people that have very conservative ideas with a uh, radically different format. But maybe that's not the real deal either, right? Just because it's got a newfangled outside <laughs> doesn't mean it's the new deal. Again, what's, uh, or the real deal. What's the content? Um, but meanwhile, a lot of so-called liberal churches look very traditional because if grandma goes to a church and it feels like church, the pastor may not believe in miracles. Maybe he doesn't think that Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah. But they've, you know, they sound Christian and they, they got the stained glass, so it's good. I, I think this is really just a way for us to say that you want to be looking at the core um, content always mm-hmm. and then ask secondarily what what's the value of this particular container. But you always want to look for the core content first. Or to use the terms of uh, the country we're in now, some very fine microbrews, 
Um, most places are not letting us use our reusable growler containers, <laughs> our insulated uh, growler container. But the idea is that um, as much as we love our growler containers, the real question we have is what kind of beer are we going to put into this thing? Is it going to be good beer or bad beer? Yeah. Is it fresh? Is it not? Is it flat? Is it not? So I mean, that's the real question, and especially yeah. when we're bringing it to a, a friends or you know whatever. And I would also say that although um, you know perhaps reading. Uh, sort of the mission statements and the about things of any organization um, or church is a good start. But words only go so far as well. And so... And they might have only applied 20 years ago. <laughs> right. It hasn't been yeah. updated on the website. Right. I think it's also, you know, the, that content piece is also found in what's happening on the inside. Right. You know, what is, it's, you know, what is, what is going on? What are, you know, what is the message that is being uh, preached what is, you know, what is the ethos and the culture of those people inside? What, you know, what, what are the messages they're sending by the activities they care about? Um, and, and, you know, do they care about the children? Do they care about, you know, I don't know, like what, where do they put their time, effort, and energy? And that really is the content piece, right? But again, we started out, I think it was episode one of season one. We said, if you come back from your religious community and you're feeling crummy and and deflated and tired and abused and worn out and stressed and anxious and there's no peace, that's a red flag and that's a a sign that maybe you should find find something else. Well, and and can I say, to me, when I first thought about this, it felt a little blasphemous to me until I really thought about it and I I was by the river and I was thinking and I said, you know, the way of Jesus is meant for us, but not we for it. So by us living out the way of Jesus, right? Jesus doesn't need us. <laughs> it's for our own good. And for our own good collectively as human beings. That we do yeah. that. As and Martin Luther said, like, I, God doesn't need our good works. Our neighbors do. Yeah. And that's, yeah, 100%. God does not need us for anything. If we think that we're bringing anything to the table yeah. when we're showing up on Sunday morning, God's sad if we don't go to his indie concert. <laughs> at no, church. Yeah. God does not need you. <laughs> so my point is, who are you fooling when you think you're just putting in your time? You're just fooling the people around you. You're not fooling yeah. God. So if you fooling think, <laughs> your neighbor, if that's you think, what you yeah, think. If you want Saturday, do, Satan. Sunday saint. If you want to do it for your for your neighbor, all right, then just recognize that that's what you're doing it for. But don't ever throw that on God. First and it, of and all. as if God says, "Well, I'm going to reward you for showing up to my <laughs> to my little party every Sunday." Right, right. No, the party is no. to remind us what we're about. Yes, if it's worth anything. Yeah. Right. There was a there was a publishing house um, that was going through some struggles after 2008. You know, some economic problems. And um, they were facing, facing what a lot of companies face these days, and that is, what do you do when you're trying to downsize mm. and not go into a death spiral? A lot of times companies say, hey, you know, we've seen this where stores will say, we're going to save money by not stocking anything on the shelf. Then you go to the store, and they're cheapskates, and they don't have anything, and the nickel and dime in you, yeah. then the place is doomed to fail. You can't do that. You can't just cut your way to victory in a business or an entrepreneurial thing. Mm-hmm. So this company said, this publishing house said, what we want to do is we want to grow, hold, fold, right? Grow, hold, fold. There are things that you actually see that are doing well and you want to actually invest more in it. So if you're in a business where there's a crunch and you've got 
you, you got needs for you know cash flow. Don't let that reality keep you from finding those four or five aspects of your business, or maybe it's just one aspect of your business that's very success, successful and it's doing well, and actually doubling down on that, increasing your investment in that of time and money. Some things need to be folded. Mm-hmm. That is, some things serve their purpose at some time, like Kodak making film or Netflix mailing a, a DVD to your house, but you need to fold it because it's just not working anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes you want to hold on to something. There are some things, I'm, I'm doing this out of order, grow, hold, fold, but now and withhold, what is it that you want to hold on to? And friends, I think that's, that's where we're coming to you. We're saying, you know, we've, we've been so beat up by religion. Mm-hmm. We've been so beat up by bad religion. We've been beat up by generally good religion taught mm-hmm. and enforced by bad people. <laughs> yeah, that weren't even necessarily even part of the same church we would go to. I was asking you in the first episode kind of, or maybe it was the second episode about your, your religious experience. When you look back on these 12 chapters, we look at Jesus and, and the things we want to toss, things we want to keep. I'm putting you on the spot here. <laughs> um, I'll answer it first, then, then I'll give you time to think. But grow, hold, fold. What are the things we want to grow? Uh, I'm the answer for grow. For me, the, the thing I want to grow is um, spiritual practices. Um, I always was so skeptical of what I thought were kind of phony religious shysters mm-hmm. and charlatans, especially those charlatans that were from a like more of a charismatic tradition, that anything that was uh, anything that's like smacked of spiritual, I thought was hokey. And I realized in my life, you know, in my 40s, that I really don't just need to have some of it. I need to grow that in my life. I need more contemplative practice, more spiritual practice, more meditation, more prayer, more uh, reading of the Psalms and wrestling through it. Um, so I'm going to do more of that. What are some things you want to grow? When you think about your, you know, you grew up in the evangelical religious world, ended up in the Lutheran world, <laughs> uh, Protestantism. I- what do you want to grow? I I wasn't thinking. I thought I was going to be uh, moving on a little bit, and I wasn't thinking about growing, per se. <laughs> I was thinking more about, um, well, one of the things about um, holding on to, and so you don't want to grow anything. I'm maybe, but I, I don't have the answer for holding okay, on. So to. So we just move to hold. All right. So I said something. Grow is I want to spiritual practice. You talking about hold? Yeah, and I. I, I would say so. I, I would like to answer. The whole uh, one. To, yeah. <laughs> what do we hold? What do we want to hold on to? And I think for me, what uh, we have found so meaningful in the church that we are currently attending is that real sense of community and that everybody is a part of making this church be a church and the service happen people contribute in all their various ways and it it's not there are times when i've been a part of uh congregations that it just feels like they have to pull it you know pull teeth yeah you know to get anybody to volunteer for anything and i think if 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 that's the case i think you have volunteer fatigue for sure yeah and that you're put you know maybe putting too much pressure on or they're just not excited about the programs that you're trying to do. And so what I love about where we're going is that people can all be a part and contribute in the ways that they feel is a fit for them and what they enjoy doing. Because 
I think one of the, the other things too that I've found frustrating in the past was being asked to be um, a volunteer for something I felt ill-equipped um, to do. So like sometimes it would even be, you know, will you be the, um, you know, the VBS uh, teacher? And I'm like, ah, you know, I just, this is not really where my strength is right now. This is not where I would be putting my best, um, you know, time and effort and energy into into helping make this happen, right? And perhaps I would be even better at this time. You know, it just depends on what it is during the time. But people would try to, like, put me into a position. And then I didn't feel like it was the best use of my gifts at that time. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So Totally. I think now, I, you know, I would, I would feel better about maybe a Sunday school teaching, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, then, you know, it just, I also having kids of my own, mm-hmm. I was already so exhausted. And, like, I don't know. I just think that there are times where that sense of community, but also getting people plugged in in the ways that they want to be a part of it because that brings joy. That brings this pleasurable experience where everybody's getting together and and enjoying w- w- their role in it and what the process is. So I want to hold on to that. I want to hold on to... Well, I think you, I think you answered hold and fold. Mm-hmm. I said the part uh, I want to grow is I, wanna, I, I don't want to give up. Just because I'm so frustrated with religious people doesn't mean that there aren't things that... I need to keep in my life and I'm actually not healthy, you know, because I'm like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to pray. I don't want to, I don't want to meditate or contemplate. I don't want to get quiet. I don't want to, I don't want to go and be part of community because it's burned me in the past. Yeah. No, I want to actually want to do more of those good things. And you're saying you want to hold on to those things that are powerful, like that community and then fold the things that are getting in the way of it. Right. I think I kind of heard that too. Yeah. Well, those things you don't have to do and, if they're not, they're and not I serving would say, anything well. Exactly. And I would say one more thing to the, the fold aspect, um, you know, especially when I was an, uh, the uh, alumni director at Concordia. Um, yes. Those days, I know what it's like when you have like this, your year planned out. I know, um, you know, you have various events that you do and, and it's a, it's really easy to redo the event and the things and the schedule that you already had. And you just plop the new dates in and you just keep yep. moving forward. And it's a lot of work to rethink an event, to create a new event, yeah, 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 yeah. to even deal with good. the few people that get frustrated that the event isn't happening. Um, right. You know, even if... Happens all the time. <laughs> what happened to the... Yeah. There's going to be a small percentage of the folks that, you know, that came every year and you're still, you know, that's... I don't know. So you have to work that out. But I think sometimes even, you know, with our... In our own lives, you know, we have New Year's resolutions. So we decide what's going to go forward next year. Not sometimes we're bad at keeping them, right? But in our jobs as well, when we're setting goals and things like that, if you really want to be successful, you can't just push repeat each year. It it just doesn't work. It doesn't, it loses its luster after a certain period of time. Yeah, there's, and, a, there's a life cycle to a lot of things. And because our churches are often ran on the backs of volunteers to make programming happen, it can be really easy to push redo mm-hmm. and even ask the same people to be in charge of the same events. And everybody's bored and everybody resents it. But also the, the they get tired if they, yeah. it, you know, you get burnout. You if, don't have to, but if, if you, you do, it's always, common. Yeah, if you always have to be the one to step up to, you know, take charge of the VBS, <laughs> you know. And, and the other thing too is, is even evaluating what you might be doing with your children's, like if you're, your vacation Bible school program, if you're doing a summer program or something like that, you know, kids are going to show up often because the, the parents want the kids there, right? And so you you might get a lot of kids in that. Also, just make sure that what you want your kids to come 
what you want the kids to come out of it with is actually what they are walking away with it and that it wasn't just daycare for a week, <laughs> you know, in the same way. And daycare is not terrible, but I don't think that if that's not your goal for this program, then try to make sure that that's not all that's happening. <laughs> Does yeah. that make sense? Like, yeah. and, and that, again, it can be easy to just push repeat, but maybe some of the kids are losing interest in some of those games or crafts or whatever, and it's time to maybe rethink, you know, and, mm-hmm. and even ask the kids, what would you like, you know? Mm-hmm. You might get some crazy answers, but you also might get some real good ideas too. That's it. Well, friends, I can't thank you enough for being with us for these 12 studies and, and the conversations that we've had in the intervening time with the podcast. We've got this 12-chapter uh, series, Protect Your Noggin with Jesus. If you go to Protect Your Noggin with, uh, if you go to protectyournoggin.org, you'll be able to find out how you can get your hands on a digital or, or perhaps hard copy of the study. It has a lot more information than the stuff we just banter about here on the podcast. It also has uh, a great opportunity for you to take the questions at the end of each chapter and just tease them out. So we don't actually ask grow, hold, fold, but we ask questions that are very similar to that. What are things in your life that really would be helpful if you didn't have to deal with? And even though that's a really hard question, if you're a church worker or if you're a parent that takes your kids to church, if you're allowing them to answer that question, doesn't mean that you're just going to execute you know, whatever their wishes are. But I think it's very powerful when you can say, what are things that are working for you? What are things that you'd like revised? What are things that you just don't want to do anymore? And by doing that, you give ownership to the next generation of leaders in your religious community. And that's really, in many ways, the only ways, uh, that's really one of the only ways you're going to be able to have longevity. That's self-serving in some ways, if it's institutional. But it's also the only way you're really going to be able to pass on the thing that you really cared about in the first place with the kids. So one last caveat that I will mention is that when uh, we do decide to make some changes um, and say you decide that you are going to, um, you know, fold some things or walk away from some things, um, sometimes it's not always received very popularly within the groups if, if, they, if you're choosing not to do what they are doing, sometimes that can also come back on you a little bit um, and and they might feel like you're abandoning them or entirely or or somehow you are they might get a little you know criminalized if you will yeah. or whatever or um, naysayed. <laughs> you, you quit doing Thursday movie night and they think you've just abandoned them altogether. Right, and I and I think that you have to realize that that can be how it is viewed um, sometimes, but you you also you know don't let that um, don't let that stop you, but be forewarned. Yeah, uh, it's I guess. not easy. It's gonna, you know, it can be no, hard no, no. to to. It could be hard to move on a little bit from some things, and 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 sometimes people, especially if you need to, especially if they end up being toxic, and they don't always want to see you coming out on the other side and and finding, you know, that real joy, joy, freedom, and that deep peace upon peace. Thanks for being with us, friends. Thank you. much friends for joining us for this episode of protect your noggin podcast want to join in on the conversation we'd love to respond to your questions or comments on this show you can record a voice message by going to protectyournoggin.org. that's protectyournoggin.org. you can also find show notes and other resources there on our site uh, we also invite you to follow us on twitter at the p y n p 
Again, that's at the P-Y, N as in Nancy, P. Please rate us on Twitter and, and tell a friend if this episode was helpful to you. Until next time, we wish you peace upon peace. But he said there wasn't any letter. He said I was going out of my mind. Not going out of your mind. You're slowly and systematically being driven out of your mind. Why? Why? That's because you found this letter low too much.